0: Welcome to Real Marketers, where we hear from marketers who move fast, ask forgiveness, not permission, obsess about driving results, and are filled to the brim with crazy ideas and the guts to implement them. This is not a fireside chat, and there's absolutely no bullshit allowed here. And I'm your host, Stephanie Cox. I have more than 15 years of marketing experience, and i have pretty much done about everything in my career. I believe speed is better than perfection. I use the Oxford comma. I love Coca-Cola, have exceptionally high standards, and surround myself with people who get shit done. On this show, my guests and I will push boundaries, and share the real truths about marketing, and empower you to become a real marketer. I used to be a good girl. In fact, I was raised that way. To be constantly polite, not speak too loud, definitely not argue with others, and so on. I followed these rules throughout my life until about 10 years ago when I realized that these types of behaviors were actually hurting me in my career. While everyone around me enjoyed working with me, my voice was never really getting heard. I can't even count the number of times where I would share an idea that would get ignored only to have a male counterpart say the exact same thing and everyone respond positively to it. And then one day, I got real frustrated and I decided to stop being a a good girl. Instead, I started speaking up louder, advocating for myself. Now, don't get me wrong, I did all this in a polite way, but I was done letting my voice go unheard. It's the same time when I stopped asking for permission about what I can do in my job and just started doing what I thought was best, regardless of whether or not it was technically in my area. And you know what happened? People started noticing, and no one told me to knock it off. And that's exactly what I'm talking about with today's guest. Michelle Miller is the marketing manager at Warren Rupp. She has more than 10 years of marketing communications experience at Siemens Corporation, Madison Services Group, and Alliance Community Hospital. And we're talking about what it's like to be raised as a good girl and what it takes to break that behavior, how women should advocate for themselves in their career and their personal life, and how she handles the roller coaster of marketing and so much more. So one of the things that I, I think I posted on LinkedIn about this idea of being a good girl and how, you know, I felt raised to be a good girl who always did what she was told was super nice and polite and how that, you know, looking back at my career, that was a challenge for me really in the first, oh gosh, like maybe seven years until one day I decided to stop and just start speaking my mind. I'm still obviously polite, but really kind of turned that on its head. And when I posted about that, you reached out and we had a conversation about that because you were kind of raised as a good girl to too. So tell me more about that. And what you know, how you define being raised as a good girl and what impact that's had on you? Sure, I'm a
1: big, I'm very interested in birth orders and I'm the oldest child. So traditionally old, <laughs> oldest <laughs> children are rule followers. Um, and so I feel like I very much have lived up to that. I also grew up Mennonite in a very conservative family. So very traditional gender roles. Um, and as I started to get into, you know, get out of, out of my undergrad degree and get into my career, a lot of what I did initially was just follow authority and, and do what was asked because that was exactly what I'd been taught my whole life. So went through my first two, two jobs fresh out of college and, um, just followed the rules, played within the lines, you know, colored, colored inside the lines or, you know, play in the sandbox, whatever you're supposed to say and and do. And then, um, When I started, when I got promoted at one point to run a marketing department, part of the reason for the promotion was because we didn't want to keep things business as usual. And we wanted to take things from a very traditional outbound marketing department to a more inbound focused marketing department. And so if we wanted to really do things differently, we couldn't do things the same way we had done them before. So in some ways, I got the permission that I finally needed and could never give myself to go do something different and go do something radical and go do something a little bit crazy and out there. And it was supported too, by the senior leadership team and by the organization as a whole, they were, they were craving it. So that's really where I started to open up this box of, Hey, I can actually go do things how I want to do them or how I think they need to be done or whatever is the best fit for the business and not just whatever has been done before. So that was a, a real exercise for me and starting to just think cr- way more creatively than I had before and, and work on some fun campaigns. And I got to hire some really awesome people. Um, They've been phenomenal marketing specialists and graphic designer and marketing coordinators. And we were all able to collaborate really well and then take these crazy ideas we had and push them live. So it wasn't, I wouldn't say it was a, like, I woke up one day and realized, Hey, I don't have to be a good girl anymore. It was, it was an evolution. It's also good exercise in learning just to, to think on your own and think independently. So that's been, it's been an ongoing journey for me, for sure.
0: Do you think if you wouldn't have had that opportunity, you probably would have continued kind of in the status quo of how you'd been before? Or do you think it's some other? There would have been some other catalyst in your career that would have driven it. That's a good question.
1: I think every every day, every year, I've learned more and more. I mean, we all do. We all learn more and more about ourselves. And in some ways, there's still aspects of my life where I am still very much a good girl, <laughs> and I recognize that. And there's some areas of my life I'm okay with that. And then there's other areas where I'm like, I got to push the boundaries. I got to challenge myself. I got to I got to move forward and you know if you're if you're not growing you're dying so um personal growth is something i'm also really passionate about and i think is a really good thing um but i think having the right i've also been blessed to have a lot of really awesome mentors and other people in my life who have who have helped me sort through some of these things and and start to figure out that i don't need to I don't need to just break all the rules and have no disregard for them. Like you said, just still be polite, but, uh, but do it in a, in a respectful way. And and I think a lot of it too, is pulling some of the emotion out of it. So if you, if you're just really emotional, you can sometimes be perceived as being irrational or illogical. And, and when you really start to put your ideas and break your, break some rules in the context of what's good for business, um, that's what needs to happen for radical business growth too. Well,
0: it's interesting that you said, sometimes you feel like you still act like a good good girl in certain aspects, I find myself the same way. It's, I don't know. It's like, I can't beat it out of myself. Yeah, (laughs) There are times where I'm just like, oh, should I say that? I'm like, maybe I shouldn't say that. And then sometimes I'm like, no, like, like I have to catch myself. Like, hell yes, you should say that. You know what you're doing. Well, the worst part is when you don't say it and then someone else says it you're like, right, I should have said it. Why did I say it? Oh, well, that and then my other one is when you say something and then everyone ignores it and then someone else says it, typically a man. Mm -hmm. And then they're like, that's a great idea. I'm like, "What was I not in the room? Did you not? Do I not speak English? Like, what (laughs) the hell is going on?
1: Yeah, that happens so often, too. That's something that I've been talking with um, some other peers about recently. And it's, yeah, we have to make sure we find as women, we have to make sure we find some some. Advocates of the male counterpart to help advocate for us and our ideas when we say something at the table, and then yeah, it's just echoed a little bit later, and everyone thinks it's a great idea. It happens too often.
0: It it does. And I remember when I was younger in my career, I literally was like, I don't know if maybe I don't communicate well. Maybe like I used to put all that on like the onerous on me. Like maybe I'm not doing a good job explaining my thought or idea, and then yeah. I finally realized, no, I'm doing a great job. They just weren't listening, and right. I needed to figure out a way to make them listen to me more.
1: Um, right. So how did it, you How did you get through some of that? like how did you start to find your voice out of curiosity
0: honestly it was i can like I can almost tell you. I could describe the room and exactly when this all happened for me. It's so weird. And it's so clear. And I wasn't looking to make this change. I was just sitting in a meeting and it was probably like the million, well, not literally a million times, but it felt like the millionth time I said something and no one listened to it. And then like five minutes later, another person in the room said the exact same thing, like using almost the exact same words. And everyone's like, that's a great idea. We should do that. And I was just like, I finally just got fed up. And I kind of just said like, and I didn't say anything in the meeting, but I just Went home and I talked to my husband about it. And I said, like, I am done. I'm done being a yes person. I am done, you know, being quiet or being really polite with my ideas and not advocating more for myself and what I do because I do know what I'm doing. And, you know, that really, I think changed the trajectory of my career really dramatically, partially because, you know, I just decided to stop asking permission and just ask for forgiveness. So I started doing things that I thought the business needed to do. And sometimes they were in my area. And sometimes they weren't, but no one else was doing it. And so I was like, well, screw this. I'm not I like I suggested this four times, you didn't listen. So I'm just gonna start doing it. Right. And you know, if you don't like it, you'll tell me to knock it off. Guess what? They don't tell you to knock it off. Um, That's so true. Right? They just they don't when you do good work, they don't tell you to knock it off. Um, so I started doing that. And then I also just, you know, I had a, even an example recently, and it wasn't intentional, but I had said something and I wouldn't say it was ignored, but I think it was like kind of like brushed aside. And then like a couple of weeks later, someone else said the exact same thing. and And everyone's like, this is a great idea. And they're like, Stephanie, what do you think about this? And I could have just said, that's a great idea. But I didn't. I was like, it's a great idea. I thought so like a month ago when I said it. Good. <laughs> so, Good for you. Because, and it's hard. And like I said, in a really, I was, and then I just was like, I mean, it, it is what it is, right? Because if I don't stand up for myself, then I don't show other women that they can do the same. So I think about that a lot. And I also think if I don't stand up for myself and call out in a polite, respectful way, times when that happens... The people that, you know, are in my life, they're not going to learn or they're not going to recognize it. Because it's funny when you talk to, especially like some of my male counterparts and previous roles that I've had, I'll say like, did you realize that like I said the exact same thing and you didn't, like you didn't listen to it until like this other person said it. And they're like, oh, I totally didn't even he- like totally didn't see that. Yeah. Like, they're not even cognizant that sometimes that it's happening. Now, some people are, don't get me wrong. Um, but a lot of the really good guys out there, they don't even realize they're doing it. And so I feel like it's just as much on me to advocate for myself, but also make sure that they're aware of what they're doing and how that's impacting other people. Because not every person is, you know, as confident or as strong to stand up for themselves as I've become. Right. And one of my,
1: that's one of my greatest learnings, I think, as a, as a manager and as a boss is that I appreciate when someone comes to me and is like, Hey, this happened, or this is going on. Um, are you aware of that? And most of the time my answer is no, because if no one comes to me and tells me, I have no way of knowing, right? So I'm really appreciative when people come to me and say, hey, like this happened, this is what's going on. And if the people like like you and I who don't, if we don't stand up for these things, it's just going to continue. And I became an, an aunt for the second time this summer, um, but this time to a niece, to a little girl. And so now I can't help but think about, you know, what am I, what kind of world am I creating? I want to leave the world in a better place than when I found it, but what kind of world am I creating for her? And I don't want her to ever have to deal with some of these issues that I've dealt with. And also making sure that I'm telling her too. I I tell my nephew, you know, you're, you're smart and you're strong and you're, you're talented and you're funny. Am I telling her the exact same things? Because she is. And so she's going to need to know that. It it affects so many different aspects of your life and And it's so I think it's just so important to just to be vocal about what's right and what's wrong and and standing up for that.
0: Well, we mentioned your niece. um, I have a 14 year old daughter and she talks really like she's very soft spoken. And what's I always tell her, you need to speak louder. And she's like, well, I don't want to be yelling. I'm like, it's not yelling. But you have important things to say. Right. Like, I want to hear them. Other people want to hear them. And, you know, she just, by nature, you know, I think by nature, right, some people are more soft spoken than others, but she's like, yeah, I don't, you know, she will say like, well, I don't know if, you know, it's not important what I have to say. It's a hundred percent as important. And I feel like there's this whole generation or generations, I guess, of women who have, you know, been soft spoken, who haven't thought what they had to say was important and I really like you said believe that it's on all of us to help lead the way for them and show them that their, you know, their voice does matter, that they are just as talented as any other person in the world, they can accomplish anything they set their minds to, as long as they have belief in themselves. And part of my job as her mom is to give her that belief and that confidence.
1: Yeah, and they see your worldview is shaped by age twelve. So if you think about what you've seen and experienced by age twelve, and how that's going to impact the rest of your life, I mean, it's. I think it's so important that we have, that we focus on the next generation, especially like your daughter, and you know, age mm-hmm. fourteen, she's finding her voice in the world, and um, so that way, when they do enter the workforce, and once we do start to fix some of these. Gender gaps and gender roles and gender stereotypes that she does have her voice and it's heard and she has just as good of head, if not better head, on her shoulders than um, than the male sitting next to her. So and she's got better ideas and maybe she has better leadership skills. And so I would hate for her to miss out on those.
0: So when you think back to, you know, being raised as a good girl and having to overcome that, what impact do you think overall it's had on your career? Like, especially early on, do you feel like it limited you and your potential? Do you feel like it was something that was holding you back? Looking back, I didn't
1: realize it. But yes, I mean, if you use the example of even just speaking up at the table to advocate for your own idea that you said five years ago, I may have just let that slide by 10 years ago, absolutely, I would have. Um, Today, I wouldn't. And I'd be more likely to just say, yeah, like you said, that's a great idea. Um, really glad I brought that up and mentioned it. Um, and it can happen internally or sometimes it happens externally too. I work with a lot of outside vendors and a lot of times it's like, I'll give my recommendation, but then it's like, well, let's let's see what that vendor says. And then, you know, it's like vendor, what the vendor says is gospel and we need to follow that or we're going to follow their plan. And I'm like, really glad I brought on that vendor because you're always supposed to bring on people that are, you know, smarter than yourself. So, um, I mean, it, it can it can come from in different ways, not even just from your own team. It can and it can be. It, I don't even think sometimes it's necessarily malicious. It's like, yeah, you know, we brought on this this really smart or individual or consultant or vendor, and we need to listen to what and see what the recommendations are. But at the end of the day, I mean, we're all in our roles for a reason, and we're all hired here for a reason, and so it's a lot of that's due to our expertise and our background. And so if if we don't use our expertise. And even if we disagree with what our recommendation is, we're not doing ourselves any favors. And we're certainly not doing our companies any
0: favors. No, I completely agree. When you were talking about that, I this immediate thought popped in my head. So we're looking to add a pool in our backyard, because I mean, it's 2020. I mean, what else are we gonna do for the next year and a half? Right. Um, and I talked to a pool company last week, and just have a time for them to come out and like, like give us a quote and everything. And they asked me if I was married. And I was like, I mean, yes, but why? Well, will your husband be there? And I was like, "Oh no!" I mean, yes, but why? Well, we just need both of you there. And I just like I sent her on the phone because at first I was like, "Are like, are you trying to like insult me?" Like, I just said I was like, "Well, I guess you don't need my business because who wants to deal with someone who like I can make a decision. I'm an adult, right? I it, it, I've never been at least in a, a long time felt that, but that was like a question, a legit question they asked me, and I was just like, I mean. I don't need you to come out. (laughs) We're good. We'll go with someone
1: else. Uh, There was so I come from roofing, and there was a a roofing company that they actually launched their entire website, and it was it was for residential um, roofing for shingles. But they actually pivoted their entire focus over towards women because after they did all their studies, they realized that women are the ones that are picking out the color of the shingles and actually doing taking the time to research um, what goes into their shingle, and they're probably at home when the the roofer is up there getting things installed. And so I thought that was really wise. Because they're recognizing that women are running things and they need to make sure that they're talking to them.
0: So thinking about like the workforce overall, and, you know, obviously being a woman, but also a leader, what challenges do you do you face and do you see other women facing just in the workforce? both pre-COVID and I guess after post-COVID, the COVID world, because there has been, I think, a lot more put on women these days. I'm very grateful that my only
1: child right now has four legs and four legs and a tail and barks because I don't know how mothers these days, especially the ones that are doing remote work um, and have to deal with remote school environments with multiple kids now. I mean, adding second grade teacher, fourth grade teacher to the list of their already unbelievable pile of things that they're getting done. I mean, I bow down. Like I am I'm so grateful for women that drive our our businesses and drive our children forward. Um, so I think especially as remote work becomes normalized, there's so many good things about remote work too. I mean, personally, I very much enjoy it. Um, but also I think remote work can be great for, for households with, with working parents. Um, so I think finding a new normal and finding a new balance and new expectations around, um, what it's like, to, to what we expect out of out of remote workers and especially for women, how that can benefit them is a good thing. And I think it'll also help force us to quit looking at this like punching a clock mindset and that you can only um, do do work when you're sitting in your seat in your location at the, the inside the business, inside the four walls of the business and really focus more on productivity and focus on output and focus on who's getting stuff done. Um and I think that's really positive for women because women get stuff
0: done. That is so true. I feel like that's so many women I talk to, they're like, I get shit done. And then I don't feel like many men say that. And I don't know why. It's just interesting. That's a good point. I never thought about that. Yeah. Like, I I, how many, I talk to so many women and they like that's like their hashtag, or they have like post it notes that say that, or they're folk, you know, like when you talk to them about just their nature, they're very focused on that. And I can't think of like a guy that I've talked to, at least in a long time, that has had use similar nomenclature when, talking about kind of their work or even their personal life. Yeah. I need to unpack that for a little bit. Cause I'm thinking about too, if you just look at how women have to work a little bit harder to
1: justify what they do and explain it. And um, I mean, that's why we still have a pay gap. Right. And so maybe it's our way of saying, Hey, look at us, please pay attention. Um, We're getting things done.
0: So thinking about just, you know, being in the workforce and, you know, being a woman, but also thinking about, I know you're passionate about diversity, you know, what do you think companies need to do more of to better include women, different, more diversity, whether that is, you know, ethnic backgrounds, whether that is gender, whether that is just even different socioeconomic backgrounds, because I think diversity of thought is so important too. So how do you think about that and what companies should be doing right now to really advocate for that?
1: The one thing I have noticed as of late is that it used to be diversity, inclusion, and now it's diversity, equity, and inclusion. And I think it's really opening up the door to different types of conversations. Like you said, it's it's not diversity based on just race or Ethnicity or gender—it's—it's it's diversity of thought. And going back to remote work again, this is a great opportunity for companies to bring in different people that they normally wouldn't have access to if they required them to be physically in a seat within the four walls of their building. I mean, I live in a—I live in a smaller town in it's the city of Worcester, Ohio, and it's not the most um, like racially diverse area. And if companies in my area can leverage this remote work environment that we're now in, they can pull in people from. All over the country, all over the world with very diverse backgrounds, and use it as a real opportunity to strengthen um, their team. And if you look at, there's study after study too that's done that if you have a more diverse leadership team, um, whether it's race or gender or whatever, um, those companies tend to do better on their. Their top and bottom lines. I mean it's it's a fact. And so having too many people of the same background just leads to one giant group think and no real progress is made. So I think remote work is definitely a way that companies can can really grasp this. And and it's not something I think that's just going to happen organically unless you need senior leadership or you need a you need a team. You need you need a conscious ongoing awareness of it. And it just can't be some sort of flavor of the month either, which I think also tends to happen. There's like this flurry of, oh, we need a more diverse workforce. And, and then we'll put together a team and we're going to do all these things. And then after a month, it's like, oh, hey, remember
0: that diversity initiative? <laughs> what happened to that? Yeah, I think that's so important to mention that just the continuity of stuff like this is going to be, it's not just one thing you fix. It's something that's going to be ongoing that we need to all challenge ourselves to think about on a regular basis.
1: Yeah. And get, getting people involved too from different levels. Um, it can't just be a senior leadership team only thing. I, I think it's something that you need um, every level involved in and contributing to because even if it's just diversity in how we think and the ideas that are pulled in based on the nature of your role within the company I mean it can be from different departments different levels that brings in different backgrounds too and different ways of thinking I also want to throw out the closet I'm not a diversity expert <laughs> in any way shape or form um, but it's just something that I'm really passionate about I'm actually I'm really thankful this year for the opportunity to to access different uh, resources and people I've got book lists going on shout out to the public library for the ability to download these books that I keep seeing recommended online. And I've watched webinars and I've watched Ted talks and YouTube videos. And there's so much good content out there right now that if you don't, if you you don't take advantage of it, that's your loss.
0: That's a really good point. I'm not a diversity expert either. I just think I'm an advocate for diversity and I'm constantly reading and, you know, making sure that I'm checking with people that have different backgrounds than me and getting their opinions on what would be helpful to them and in every situation as well as a marketing leader. And just as a marketer in general, I often think about this roller coaster that we're on where like one day you feel like you're completely like a kick-ass and you're crushing it. And then like sometimes even later that day, you're kind of like, do I even know what I'm doing? Like, am I good at my job? Do I know my job? Do I understand the internet? Um, so many marketers face that. And I feel like no one really talks about it. And then we get, you know, you kind of like freak out and compare yourselves to all these other people who on social media clearly have it all together, which none of them really do. So how do you handle that these like constant ups and downs as a marketer, especially as a leader?
1: I mean, as marketers, we have, if you look at the number of platforms or technologies that we use every day, first of all, like I personally have a Mac, and then I have my iPhones. And then and I have my tablets, and then I have my Windows, Dell laptop for work. Okay, so you've got those platforms. But then you also have all the different systems you use. You have Microsoft, Outlook, Teams, Zoom, and then you get online and you can use Asana for productivity. We use HubSpot, there's Lumivate's platform, then there's Google Analytics, Google AdWords. I mean, it is Unbelievable how many platforms you have to be well versed in. And the best part is all these platforms are making updates sometimes daily. And so you'll go in there and you'll be like, Oh great, Facebook just made another update. Now I have no idea where to even find my page. <laughs>
0: Wait, that's cool. how I felt yesterday with Zoom. Like Zoom apparently, like, I don't know what they did. They did waiting rooms or passwords, and I'm sure they told me, but they didn't tell me yesterday or the day when they did it. So like try all these meetings, and I'm like, everyone's like, I need a password. What's the password? I don't know. I didn't create a password. Like what the hell is going on? So I feel you. Trust me.
1: (laughs) It happens all the time. Like there's probably, I don't think I've had a week go by where I'm not like a little bit lost in a technology or, or program or something that's made some update. And then, and then since all these things fall underneath the marketing function, we're responsible for knowing and understanding these. So my favorite answer to a question, when someone asks me about like an intricacy within a program or, Hey, can you run that? Or how's that performance? I'll get back to you. Or let me go look at that because the worst thing you can do is just like speak and know it all. And then you go in there and they're like, Oh crap, they changed their algorithm again. Or, um, one of our senior leadership team members recently saw that Google was making a change to their algorithm and they asked me about it. And I was like, I don't know, let me get back to you. And so I reached out to my um, website vendor and they were like, yep, we just heard about that too. So we are researching it right now. So sometimes people don't, you don't even know, like even the experts don't even know. Um, so I always jokingly say that marketing is, we're a bunch of solutions finders and By doing that, like I had an engineer come to me recently and say, "Hey, how do I record my screen? Well, luckily, I googled that the week before, how do I record my screen on a Windows and I was able to give him the the combination of keys that you need in order to do that. And it's like, Oh, thanks. It's awesome. So I think, we're, I think there's so many times we're just solution finders. And that's one thing I, I I say frequently is that, you know, just Google, Google things like their answers are out there. There's someone's made a YouTube video on how to do this before. So just go find it and taking that initiative to go find it.
0: That's so funny that you mentioned solution finders. I feel like that's 100% accurate. I can't how many times people are like, do you know how to do this? And I'm like, yes, Like even like back when we were in an office, like there's an issue with the printer. Can you fix this? Yeah, I got on Google and I like learned, I saw what the error code was. And then I hit the buttons that told me to do it. Now it works. So you're like IT. No, I just know how to use Google. (laughs) Can I teach you?
1: Yeah, exactly. Let me show you. Let me show you this really cool website came out about, I don't know, 20 years ago everyone uses
0: it tracks all kinds of data (laughs) you type questions into it it gives you magical answers sometimes there's videos crazy (laughs) Crazy. Um, (laughs) so thinking back just across your career overall what's one thing you wish you would have known sooner or realized sooner i
1: i wish i would have known sooner that it is actually there's strength in asking for help and there's strength in coming to your boss or presenting and saying that hey this is an idea i had this is something that's really cool. This is something that's really good, but I'm going to need your help. I used to try to do everything myself. That's always been my, like my shtick. Even growing up, I was always like, I want to do myself. Um, and there's so much power and collaboration. It was humbling to jump into the workforce and you try to do things yourself and it doesn't work. So I got my butt kicked pretty early on, fortunately. Um, and then once you go through grad school, like my grad school, I got my MBA from Case Western Reserve University in Cleveland. And a lot of their programs, all their classes are based on group work. So there's, and you know, you hear group work and you've grown, right? Like, ugh. Awful. But actually, by that point, by the time I got through that, I'm so thankful that they did it in a group work style because we're adults, we're part time MBA students, and we all live real lives. And there's times where someone brings a background or experience that you don't have into a class and then a concept makes sense based on their experience or someone would have a family emergency and you'd pick up the Slack form that week and writing your paper. And then you would have a work conference you need to go to and they would pick up the Slack for you later. Um, So I learned within the first year, you know, you go from these conceptual undergraduate group projects to then actually using collaboration in a way that makes it so much more strong and effective and you can have better ideas and better results. If a man is hungry, give him a fish And he'll eat once. But if you teach him how to fish, they'll eat for the rest of their lives. So I jokingly say all the time, I'm trying to teach other people to fish. So that way I don't have to do it all.
0: (laughs) I feel you on that one. I always like to tell my team that, like, I could do this for you, but then... I'm always doing this for you. I want to teach you how to do it so you can do this. And then eventually you can teach someone else how to do this. Yeah,
1: I think it's a sign of a good of good leadership, actually, because it gives other people opportunity to grow and develop.
0: Completely agree. And I think as your point earlier that you said, you know, if you're not learning, you're kind of dying. You need to be constantly learning and pushing yourself forward in everything you do, whether that's personally or professionally.
1: Yeah. And that's the other thing, too. I've noticed recently, now that I'm just on my computer all day, every day and have very limited human interaction, is that I can get overwhelmed by content like I will have I think I just closed out of a Google browser that had like 22 tabs open or something of all these things I wanted to learn and know and I'm like I I can't like this is it's actually weighing me down so I'm trying to get better now about just picking the things that I really want to read about or learn about and only clicking on them or opening them when I actually have the time to watch it so I don't get into this like tab fatigue (laughs) of insane number of tabs open and i do that on my personal computer too it's a bad habit
0: i have tab like i have the same problem i think the other day i am notorious for having like 20 tabs open in each window and the other day i had like four different windows going with like 15 to 20 tabs each and i was like i can't even function now what is wrong with me
1: and then, you're, and then the worst is I came in on Monday morning, opened up my computer, and my computer ran an update over the weekend. I lost all my tabs.
0: No, that's like the, <laughs> that is the worst.
1: And there was a part of me that was like, thank you, God, I needed that. And then there's another part of me that was like, but my tabs, I had so much good stuff to read in there. What did I have? Exa- I,
0: and I don't know where the rest of it is. I've also started, this is horrible, um, but I've started slacking myself because you can do that and also so instead of opening them I just slack myself like the things I want to read and then that way they're there and if something like what you just mentioned happens I don't lose them because I hate to keep the email in my inbox when it's just something I want to read later because it's not like a to-do action that I need to do um so that's what I've started doing so I slack myself which is super embarrassing but that's the reality of the world that we live in (laughs) productivity hack everyone you heard it right here (laughs) slack yourself yourself. um (laughs) (laughs) well it was great having you on the show michelle thank you so much for joining us
1: thank you so much for having me this has been a lot of fun and um I think if I can say one more thing, too, I yeah. think it's so important that I know this, this conversation is slanted more towards women in marketing, but I think it's so important that we keep having these conversations. And if you're a woman in marketing, and you're not, um, so you've identified with some of the things we've talked about, or you're struggling with some of the things that we've talked about, find other women and find other mentors that you can talk to, and that can help because we need to make sure that we're supporting each other. And a lot of times these things just just happen, and we just let them happen. And we don't tell anyone. And I think finding people who can can help encourage you and mentor you and guide you and and just even if you just need that daily pep talk like hey yes you know what you're doing you're good like go get them find people that that can be your like your support group even if they're outside of marketing especially actually especially if they're outside of marketing because so many of us marketers are doing things with the power of one or two in our department and so finding other advocates or people that can help support you or your function I think that's that's really important.
0: I like to end each episode of Real Marketers with something that you can do right now. And this one might be the most important one of them all. For all my women listeners out there, if you're not speaking up for yourself, then you need to start right now. And if you're already advocating for yourself, then you need to help other women find their voice. And for all of my men listeners out there, continue to be our advocates. When you see a colleague share an idea that gets ignored, only to have someone else share the same idea and get a positive response, help call it out. We can't do this alone. Real change requires all of us. So what are you waiting for? You've been listening to Real Marketers. If you love what you've heard, make sure to subscribe, rate, and review our podcast. And don't forget to tell a friend. All of this marketing goodness shouldn't be kept a secret.